0: We're so glad you've joined us. Right now it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody
1: Radio.
2: All the way from Nashville, we've got Erskine Anavatarte with mm. us today. How fun is that? Anavatarte.
1: Anavatarte. Did, did I get a, it right? You did a great job. Yes. Yes. Thumbs up. All thumbs up.
2: All right. So, Erskine is a friend of friends of ours, colleagues down in Nashville. And, I, Perry, you had said that you've met Erskine before, but this is my first time meeting you, and it's so good to have you in the studio with us.
1: Yes. That's an incredible. I think we got a chance to meet on a, a Zoom call at one yeah, point. Yeah, we did. Yes. Yeah, we, I'm that guy. we am doing it. Still- yeah. I'm still alive. Right right right, 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 right.
2: Yeah, but in person, not. Yes. So cool to have you here. We would love to hear, just so our listeners can kind of get to know you a little bit, your faith story. Yeah. How did you encounter Jesus?
0: Before you get into that, just want you to know that Erskine is a Texas born. Mm, okay, come on. Texas born. <laughs> you could stop there. He's Texas born <laughs> up in here. Singer, songwriter, music co producer. Thing. What don't you do? <laughs> So anyway, all that to say, yeah, your faith story. Yeah. So
1: thank you guys so much for having me. First of all, I wanted to say um, I'm friends of Moody Radio because of my affiliates who are down in Nashville, the Don and Steve morning show. And so they're kind of the the ones who, from time to time, will bring me on the air down in the Nashville station, 1200 AM, 91.7 FM, Uh, but as it relates to my faith story, I think it's important to know that I am from Texas. And so you've got all those Southern kind of hospitality charm kind of things that are there in Texas, but you've also got, I would say I grew up in a a home that was happy and it was holy to a certain extent, as you understand, like Southern religion, like everybody goes Mm -hmm. to church. I was raised in the African-American church. And so that church tradition was a part of, of what it was that I grew up understanding and learning and growing from. And then as I got a little bit older, there were some times where I was kind of disconnected from the church because I didn't really see um, religion that was flourishing outside of just Sunday religion. You know, there was a lot of activity and a lot of energy going on on Sunday, but throughout the rest of the week, I didn't really see that kind Mm -hmm. of activity and that kind of energy and and really that kind of focus on Christ. As I tried to, in many cases, get away from, you know, organized religion, prayer meetings, all those different, you know, standard things that people do in churches, Mm -hmm. I found myself almost running away from God in the sense that I I had a sense that he existed, but I didn't necessarily want to deal with those questions. As I got a little bit older, you know, I started getting into some little spats of trouble, getting suspended from school, those kind of things. And just recognizing that the Bible is absolutely true when it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end are the ways of death, Mm -hmm. I started going my own route, started getting in trouble. And uh, eventually the Lord kind of brought me to my senses in that uh, scenario kind of came to the light and I recognized I needed Christ. I needed Christ in everything that was going on.
2: Do you remember what it was that was kind of the trigger for you that you're like?
1: Yeah, it was like I'd had a a big argument with my mom and, you know, mom and grandmother, they always kind of had custody battles. And uh, so it was one of those situations where I think I'd gotten suspended from school. There was just a lot of fighting in the home and um, just kind of came to my senses and recognized that I needed Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: How old were you at that time?
1: I was about 12, 13. Oh, wow. Okay. That age. And so I went, I, I then left living with my mom to go live with my grandparents at that particular time. And when the Lord got a hold of me, it was one of those transformations that took place where instantly things began to make sense. Mm. Everything wasn't good because I still had all the issues that I was dealing with before. What made sense? The Bible began to make sense. Yeah. Um, it was back in the days when people read the King James Version of the Bible. And, I, you know, the these and the thous, and I'd always hear it, and I'm like, I have no idea what this is talking about. But I then began to uh, understand, and I had some wonderful pastors who discipled me during that time. I began to understand uh, what the Bible is teaching and its truth. And so I just started getting hungry for the Word of God, hungry to teach, hungry to be under teachers. And uh, I had some tremendous people, like I said, who discipled me. Both from the black church tradition and the white church tradition.
2: I gotta tell you, when you I'm just gonna scoop back just a little bit because you said I was I was reading the Word of God and I began to get hungry for the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And I think those two things, we mix that up. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You started reading the Word of God and a hunger was created in yes. you. And I think so often we think, you know, I just am not into the Bible. You know, I just instead of realizing that it's an obedience that kind of opens up that awareness and that sure. hunger and that sure. thirst and yeah. So, yeah, I think that's important.
1: Absolutely right. And so that led to, you know, just going through a period in high school where I was following Christ and I was gaining some new responsibilities. And I just remember on many occasions I preached some really bad sermons. (laughs) I was given the opportunity to preach some really bad sermons. And then I went to college and played basketball and lived out my faith there in Johnson City, Tennessee, at East Tennessee State University. Go Bucks. if you're listening. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, I went from there to seminary at Southwestern. And then uh, spent some years in pastoral ministry, and now I'm, I'm traveling as an artist and doing music, and that's kind of the tip of the spear for Erskine music.
0: All I want to know is, can you dunk? Uh, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, Perry, Perry
2: still has <laughs> dreams of an MBA career. Okay. Yeah, MBA okay. career. <laughs>
0: All right. Well. You, know. you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you can shoot. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> hey, we're talking with Erskine and of a Tarte. So, uh, just just to land this part of it, because we've got you with us, once you get in this building, you know, <laughs> we lock it, and you can't get out. Boom. So, Come on. and
1: um, it It's warmer in here.
0: So, it sounds like you you were disciples at, discipled as a teenager, mm-hmm. and you found your footing as a teenager, which wasn't, you know, it, it didn't happen for me. I wish it would have happened for me as a teenager. I yeah. knew Jesus, but it didn't happen for me. So. So you're getting your your sea legs as a follower of Jesus as a teenager. How did that impact, you know, how you were able to influence others?
1: Yeah. So, I think that getting your butt kicked early is a good thing. And when I was in high school, I was a high school basketball standout as well as a music standout. And so, mm-hmm. being known as a Christian in both of those environments don't, especially at the school that we were at, is very large school about two thousand, you know, over two thousand kids there. Um, you gotta earn it. Like nobody's giving that to mm-hmm. you. Like I'm walking around the hallway with a Bible in my hands and, mm-hmm. and trying to talk to students. Like te- teachers love me because I was the guy that was helping people get into class on time because people would see me with my Bible and like, oh, there's Erskine. We, <laughs> hey, we gotta dip out of the hallway because this dude is up in here, man. We <laughs> we gotta get in this class fast, man. And so, you know, you just gotta earn it. Like there's, there's you know, people are gonna mm-hmm. challenge your faith and they're gonna challenge, you know, what it is that you believe. And To me, that was a really good thing. Another wave of that came when I got in college. I was a college basketball uh, player as well. And then I was you know, kind of a fixture, centerpiece at the campus. And so if you're talking about faith, you better be living that thing Mm -hmm. out because they are gonna come for you. And I got challenged so hard in high school and in college that once I got out of college, like evangelism, these days if I'm standing on the street and just doing witnessing and things like that, you can't say anything to me that I haven't already heard. Mm. You can't call me anything I haven't already been called. And so just share the gospel, I'm not scared. Here we go.
0: Black versus white. No, it shouldn't be black versus white. It's black and white. I
1: (laughs) I didn't write that song. Don't be trying to put that one on me.
0: (laughs) But yeah, we were talking about, we want to talk about, you know, living in peace and harmony Mm. with all the colors. You know, Mm. uh, DC Talk wrote that song years ago, Colored People. I love that song. God created. It's a Bob. God created what? It's a bop. Bop, Bop, yeah. (laughs) God created colored people. It reflects his beauty, his glory, his radiance. Mm -hmm. And we we desperately need all the colors, and yet we judge each other by the color of our skin, not by the character in our heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm borrowing from Martin Luther King Jr. a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a black man and you grew up in the black church. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanna know. What was your experience like? You grew up in Texas, yes. which I have to believe there's some seeds of racism there. Not that it's just in Texas, but what was it like, you know, growing up as a black man? Yeah. I, I'm curious. I'm just curious.
1: So yeah, yeah, no. So this is the part where it's kind of the watershed moment of, <laughs> of this conversation because my interpretation of what life was and my interpretation of what life is, can be two different realities. So we can be bitter about things that happened or didn't happen for us or things that we saw or things that we perceived, but through the lens of Christ,
2: Mm.
1: don't we understand that God works all things together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose? Some things you didn't need to get into because God was preparing you for something else. Some doors you didn't need to kick open. Some doors the Lord was gonna open. And I have the unique experience, and I don't know that there's many people who have had this kind of experience, but in the morning I went to the black church all the way into the afternoon, late afternoon Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the black church. Um, And then I was so hungry for the word uh, when I became a teenager that there was a a church across town. I didn't know what across the tracks meant or across town meant until I I walked into this church where there were all white people. And I remember looking at the auditorium and thinking, I didn't even know white people got saved. Like, this is like... (laughs) This is an amazing experience You
2: <laughs> like people it, know Jesus. Just, Praise God for whom I'm blessed and well. <laughs> yeah, it just
1: messed with my worldview. And they were singing the same songs, but they were singing them way differently. And yeah. I just thought, this is this is incredible. This is great. Mm. And their pastor, Brother Billy, who just had a birthday, he's up into his uh, 70s, almost 80 now. Um, he began to disciple me and made me feel very welcome at that church. Now, mm. unbeknownst to me as a teenager, he was getting backlash about that from mm. other people that were in his congregation. So we're not going to, you know, he, ok, the, the story the, is prettied up. <laughs> you
2: are not that old. That uh, that just blows my mind because to me, I grew up in Southern California with diversity. You mm-hmm. know, you to hear different languages in in the aisles of the grocery sure, store, right? Yeah. Like, and everybody's different from cool. one another. so when i when I even, you know, understand history, to me, that just seems so like, decades and decades and decades Mm. and you know like century ago i just it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that you would have that reality in your lifetime because how old are you erskine i'm 45 yeah you're a young man yes yeah you don't look 45 come on get my yeah just
1: say (laughs) (laughs) do i have to prove this to you on air you do not look
2: 45 but i don't know it just if it seems very backwards. And it breaks my heart that you would have that experience that he would get oh, Sean, pushed back. I, yeah. I know it's probably naive.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I'll just say, you know, certain people have certain experiences and, and live in certain ways. And, you know, life moves fast for a lot of people, but, you know, having walked through some of those things, I don't, that's not a, it's not a point of bitterness for me. Mm-hmm. You know, even when I was in pastoral ministry, I know other guys who are in pastoral ministry, especially student ministry in Texas who were told, man, don't be letting too many of those colored, people, black, brown, come into the youth group because that's going to change what we're doing here. Mm. And so that's just a thing in Texas, but you know, we're moving, you know, the gospel is continuing to go forward. People are, are getting saved and you know, it's, it's a good story because God is in the story. And I think what happens in our culture so many times is it becomes a story about the past as though God is not redeeming and reconciling mm-hmm. and bringing people together and yes there's still a lot of work that needs to be done there's still not things that we need to understand about one another and how to communicate with one another but God is in the story mm-hmm. and that's what so often is forgotten is that God is present in the
0: story even today we're talking with Erskine who's a Texas-born singer songwriter and lives in Nashville now uh, so were you ever like pulled over because of the color of your skin Did you ever have to have that conversation with your, with your caregivers, your, your mom, your grandmom about, you know, this is how you handle things. If, if a cop pulls you over,
1: well, I'll just go ahead and say this. I travel a lot today. And one of the things that my wife will often fear for me is that I'll be pulled over or stopped it's 2023 now Right. right. <laughs> yeah and there are
0: people right and out I travel there.
1: through the south and all over the place and so you know just sometimes there's misunderstandings about you know and I get it you know I'm I'm a guy that's traveling black man I'm out there um certain neighborhoods that I'm in certain places that I'm in I'm an artist and so the hours are a little bit different and you know people doing their due diligence sometimes need to just stop and check and make sure everything is okay and so there can be misunderstandings that are out there we're very aware of that it's 2023
0: mm-hmm.
2: and being way too kind Yeah.
0: Yeah, Well, you, you are, you're a man of grace and you're looking at it through the lens of grace, but you know, there are people right now listening and thinking that, that can't be a thing at all. You know, that, that he's actually, his wife is actually afraid. And maybe
1: that's not a thing for them and and Mm -hmm. that's fine. But I mean, I know the in-house conversations that we have and just sort of the ways that we need to prep and just be prepared to respond.
0: Well, I'm just thinking of white people like me. I mean, we're just, we're going for it here, Erskine. (laughs) We're going. White people like me are thinking, "Eh, that can't be true. I can't believe they'd be afraid, you know, of something happening because of the color of his skin.
1: I'm not afraid. No, I ain't scared. (laughs) Come
2: on now. (laughs) You know, you're
1: bright. I'm mindful of, we are mindful of what it is that we need to do. And this is a very highly charged um, atmosphere that we live in. And so people are vigilant. And I think we need to be vigilant. I think that. The police need to be safe in what it is that they're doing and they need to, you know, be just in what it is that they're doing. But at the same time, the community needs to be vigilant as well and make sure that we're responding the way that we need to. Uh, I'm on a council in uh, Nashville called the Justice Circle Nashville, where I'm the co-director of that. And we want to make sure that we have good relationships with the police. We have good relationships with uh, Metro Nashville public schools, education, and then our, our healthcare care industries and also housing. And so We just want to be vigilant to make sure that we are, as a community, responding the way that we can so that everybody who is doing what they're supposed to Mm. can sleep well at night.
2: Yeah. So you opened up this conversation, Perry, by talking about you know, how God made us all different and how in his creativity and how how beautiful that is. And I was picturing in my own mind, you know, the scripture from Revelation that says there every tribe, every tongue, every nation worshiping together. That's our future. That's what's going on in heaven. And Jesus himself said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. We want heaven here now today. So when it comes to reconciliation, that being your reality, these being your right now experiences, not like, you know, it's not old stories from long ago. A right now experience, you know, how do we step into reconciliation? How do we step into bringing heaven on earth today?
1: Yeah, so that's a very important question, Shine. I'm glad that you asked it, and I'm, I'm glad that you even framed it that way. Is reconciliation, heaven on earth, the gospel, the presence of the gospel even now? I think that what we need to do is we need to recognize that We're kind of moving past a time where the religiosity that we talked about uh, is a thing. Like people are moving away from that into some authentic expressions of faith. And what that means is we can talk about, hey, let's have, uh, you know, just let's have somebody that's African American come to the radio station and be on air with us. You can talk about that, but until you actually do it, until they're actually on the air sharing actual stories, then all you're doing is talking about it. And so I think that the proximity, component of reconciliation needs to take place. And then also the experiential component. My I mean, our friends in Nashville, we talk about some of these things often is that we do life together. And I think that's a component that was missing before we would have mm-hmm. services together and maybe one would go preach at this church and, but it wasn't doing life together. Mm-hmm. I legitimately have friends that we go hang out with one another and we are doing life together. Right. And so it's a very unique thing. And I think a different aspect of that reconciliation is that when you get past just saying, well, the gospel changes us, to actually being and living changed.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. Erskine, singer-songwriter, you got this song, Black and White, and I love this song, Black and White, and just give us a little bit of a setup for this song, because, you know, Sunday morning can be the most segregated time in America.
1: Yeah, it borrows from the phrase of Martin Luther King, who said the most segregated time in our country is Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. And uh, Jeff Pearson and I wrote this song years ago and just try to capture that aspect of it. Uh, It goes on to say there's black churches, white churches right next door on the same block, both with hands raised high to Jesus, but Mm -hmm. still a million miles between us. (laughs) And so how do we bridge that gap? And it is the gospel or the good news of Jesus.
0: So Erskine, he's from Nashville, born and raised in Texas. Uh, Have you... I don't want. To, how do I put this question? We go through rough. We go through rough things in life. We go through hard things. We go through dark things, and and often it's like, oh, God can't be in that. But I found in my life the hardest things have been the best things for me, mm-hmm. even though they still hurt.
1: Yeah, the place where you recognize where God is definitely at work when you look back and think, I wouldn't have made it through that time had it not been for what God did remember John chapter 16 verse 33 in this world you will have Mm, troubles but take heart because I have overcome the world Mm -hmm. that is a reality that all of us will experience at some point if we're following Christ
2: I feel like that's the kindness of Jesus that he's like it's gonna be hard yeah there's gonna let me just give you a heads up real quick I always when I took my kids to the doctor for their shots I was like this is going to be like your least favorite doctor's <laughs> appointment ever. Cause you're going to get a crap ton of shots or whatever, but just like, let me know in advance. I feel like it's a kindness of Jesus. He says, yeah, there's going to be hard things, but take heart. I've overcome the He's world. He's
1: overcome the world. And so, you know, all of us probably with our phones, we see that it needs to update and we will scroll past that and not even read the instructions. Like Jesus put the instructions in the fine print in bold print and let us know that there are going to be some difficulties in this world. We live in a fallen world, but he has overcome the world and we have heaven that is awaiting us. And we have a, a slice of heaven now mm-hmm. in the way that we, in the conversation that we're having about, you know, understanding one another and working with one another and living with one another. And, and that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. And so uh, we want to look at uh, the hard places in our lives as as part of the story God's writing for us. You know, I like to... Like Brennan Manning, he says, everything that has happened to me in my life had to have happened to make me who I am. Mm, that's good. And so, you know, there's a person listening right now and they're in a dark place in their life and they can't see how that's part of the story God's writing. That just doesn't compute with them. How could that ever be part of the story that God's writing? What can you say to them?
1: Yeah. So I had a seminary professor who used to always say that God is making straight licks with crooked sticks. And there's a lot in our lives that is not a straight line toward where it is that we want to go or what we think should happen. but God is using that to take us ultimately to the place where we need to be be encouraged this morning.
2: We're so passionate here about the gospel and not a not a oof, not a one and done gospel in like you know, a conversion like let's flip them and get them in over the side mm-hmm. of the fence, but like an ongoing regular mm-hmm. understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done. And we need to retell ourselves that story over and over again. And, you know, we're in an area where there's a church on just about every corner. And so there's a lot of familiarity with religion, mm-hmm. but not necessarily the gospel. Yeah. Talk, let's talk a little bit about the difference between religion and relationship in the gospel.
1: Yeah. So I always say that it's tough for religious people in this world because religious people have to keep things in order. They have Mm -hmm. to keep things in check. They have to keep themselves self-disciplined. And all of that is a failed attempt for us to actually know Christ. Sometimes it can be the biggest distraction for us to, to move away from Christ is doing all of the religious things for all the religious reasons that make us feel good, but leave us empty really inside. The gospel is that which clarifies who we are. It's like the book of James talks about the word of God being a mirror that we look in at the mirror and we see what kind of manner of person that we are. We recognize through the power of the gospel that it is good news to those who recognize their need for Christ. And then the provision that Christ provides for us is that he actually satisfies the demands of God. We are saved by the grace of God and those who are saved recognize that grace of God mm-hmm. in every area. So I think, Shana, that's what we were talking about this morning is recognizing that great grace has been bestowed because there's a great need that need to to be accomplished in our lives. And so often we, we believe that our religion can move us into, like if I go to church enough times, you know, I'm from the South, I'm from Texas. If we go to the right church, if we go to church enough times a week, mm-hmm. if we do all the religious things, if we don't cuss, we don't smoke, we don't chew, we don't associate with folk who do, then we'll be all right. Okay. And so... The gospel releases us from that and shows us Christ.
2: And there's somebody who's listening right now and just the word gospel is, you know, they know that they're supposed to know what that means, Mm -hmm. but they don't, you know, it's, it's churchy talk and they don't know what that means. Define, describe the gospel.
1: Yeah. So let's define gospel as the good news. Mm -hmm. You're listening this morning and you're hearing us talk about the gospel here in that, that there's good news. Well, That good news is based upon what the bad news is, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that there is none righteous, not even one, as James 3.10 tells us. But the good news is that we can be restored to God, reconciled, as it were, to God through what Christ came to do. Mm -hmm. We had this wonderful season. I know Christmas is special for, for everybody. But John chapter one talks about this when it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We see where Christ comes into the world. John three sixteen, a verse that perhaps if you're listening this morning, you've heard before many times and just kind of putting the pieces together to recognize that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever, if you're out there believes in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. Mm-hmm. That's good news. Friends.
0: It, you know how I relate to this is that, you know, religion is me trying hard enough, mm-hmm. trying harder to get God to love me. God, if, if, if I could only get you to love me, what can I do to get you to love me until so I spend my life doing lots of things, even ministry. And mm-hmm. I can do ministry to think I can somehow gain God's approval through ministry. And so ultimately, I'm, I'm trusting in my own performance, mm-hmm. which always falls short. Mm-hmm. But the gospel is the good news that it's Jesus' performance. It's resting in, clinging to, relying on, holding yes. on to what Jesus has done. He lived the perfect life. We could never live. He died the death we deserve. He rose again to bring us into the Father's favor. Preach, Perry. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) On today, on this morning. And so I'm trusting in Jesus' performance and not my own. And that just, I got to come back to that every Mm -hmm. day.
2: I think in the natural, you know, we're always looking for, I'm always looking for, um, Mm -hmm a system, like tell me what I need to know. And then I'll just kind of put myself on that track and I'll go in that system. And mm-hmm. the, the good news of the gospel is that there is no system <laughs> Your <system's> is,
1: broken. <laughs>
2: yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. we need, we need regular intimate contact with Jesus. And that's what Je- when Jesus died on the cross for us, we're reconciled into this right relationship mm-hmm. with God. And now we can on the regular, like daily be in contact with and live in community with God. I mean, that's just like mind blowing.
1: Yeah, you mentioned something a little bit earlier that I just, I I think we need to say this this morning because there's people who will get into the Christian life and they will say, well, I got saved and so I'm good now. Mm -hmm. But that salvation, it begins at a point in time, that's justification. Then it continues in the sense of sanctification. So we were saved, legally declared righteous by God. It is a finished work. It is a work that we celebrate. It is a work that's finished and complete. We're not going back the other direction. But then sanctification is that renewal that you're talking about, that continual process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And then ultimately when we leave this life and we go to be with Jesus forever, we are glorified and brought into that state in which we recognize that we are fully free Mm -hmm. from our sin and in the presence of God perfected, in the way that salvation spans all throughout our lives and into eternity. Come on, let's go. I
2: know, this is good stuff. And this is, I mean, this is, a, this is a deep dive. This isn't like a skimming over the top. But if I were to just take the whole thing and put it in layman's terms, God loves you. He likes you. He wants to be with you. And he provided to be with you for all of eternity. But he wants to be with you today. A lot of passions is what you have sure and we want to talk about one of them being campus revival talk about just raising up the next generation yeah. to be able to take on carry the torch in Jesus name
1: absolutely so revival ministry is something that is near and dear to my heart because I see us in a place where constantly in our, our own souls we need reviving we need the revival fire of God to fall I'm brand partnered with a ministry called Life Action Ministry. I think they're actually here in Buchanan, Michigan. And so they're brand sponsors of mine. I get a chance to travel periodically with them and do campus revivals. This one that I'm doing with Grace Christian University this week is a campus revival in which we're just kind of walking through some statements that Jesus has made and some pictures of what the life and ministry of Jesus looks like. And then trying to inspire them because I believe that what we behold, we become like. So seeing more of Jesus as he is and what it is that he does and how he responds Hmm. should lead us to wanting and desiring more of who Jesus is and and understanding him. And so I really think that there's a lot that's going on in this generation, especially things that are going on that I didn't face in the generation coming up with the technology and the social media and all the different influences are there. And you can complain about what you don't like, or you can get in you can begin to disciple people. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I, I fit in that equation It's just coming alongside ministries and trying to strengthen them coming alongside students and trying to encourage them and challenge them and just be in a place where, you know, God is raising up this generation and discipling in them. And I had some incredible people who gave me way too much responsibility <laughs> at an early age than I should have had. And I, I like to see that process continue because that ultimately has led uh, to sharpening and honing and, and giving me more encouragement.
2: As you work with this generation, what is it that you're seeing that matters to them when it comes to faith?
1: Yeah. So I think that the, so I'm sort of naturally an evangelist at heart. And so I think that the funnel and the way that evangelism is done in this generation is quite a bit different than just going out on the street corner and just preaching the gospel and standing on the box and and just being declarative. It's almost though in this generation, you have people who are like, well, that's, it's almost rude to like tell somebody you're wrong about this or that. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind yeah. of a, a more passive approach to evangelism. And, you know, the way that we declare truth sometimes is latent in our personality, but that we declare truth, this, this generation is also finding ways to do that through service and being involved in community mm-hmm. activity. And so evangelism looks different. Um, and that's one of the things that I, I, I like to encourage.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm hearing you say, it's just more alongside, like mm-hmm. don't get in front of me and tell me what I ought to do. Yeah, Get alongside me and let's, you know, it's, it's, it's relational. That's how we saw Jesus do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so to see students, so many students involved on mission trips and they're doing special projects and they're in the community and they're serving, you know, on the one side of that, you can say, well, it's because this generation is woke and you know, people were social activism and they want to march in the streets and different things. But Apart from that, God is doing something in this generation in which they want to be involved. They want to take mm-hmm. up some of the reins of responsibility, and that that should be encouraged. And I, I love to see that.
0: Yeah, we're talking with singer songwriter Erskine from Nashville, and so you've got two teenagers. Yes, sir. And so, <laughs> so yeah, bring it home into your family. How your discipling your your two teenagers are part of Gen Z. Ah, uh, yes, and they we, are. And we hear that Gen Z, you know, is the first unchurched generation in America. Yeah. Let's say that, but you're discipling your kids. What does that look like?
1: Yeah. So this is just a theory of mine. Don't email me hate mail, but it's a theory of mine that you move from the fifties and sixties, which I know there was a lot of racial unrest and inequity in our, our society, but that generation, they fought wars and they built things and they had institutions and we don't always trust those institutions, but they did build things in America. They're called the greatest generation. Mm -hmm. I think that when you get to generation X, my generation, we might be the worst generation in American history. Why? Why do I say that? Because we tore things down, we believe in authenticity, and so whatever was there before that we didn't feel like was authentic, we would just remove ourselves from. Mm -hmm. When you look at the rate of children from Gen Xers who actually are involved in the church, it's actually quite bleak, it's actually quite low. I'm hoping and praying that there's a revival in the future generations of kids when these millennials start having kids of them going back to church. But normally if you have kids who are in church, it's because their grandparents took them to church, not because this generation that's here now is actually discipling them. And so with our kids, we've always, we've homeschooled them first of all, um, because I travel a lot and my kids get a chance to travel with me and kind of do family and we kind of do it on the go, uh, yeah. because that's the way we have to do life. Uh, but, Being very intentional, and I I don't know that my kids necessarily love this at this point, but we make sure that we get up at six o'clock in the morning, we get our workouts in when we need to, we get in Bible study, we get in, I'm teaching them how to journal, and not just franchising that out to other people and saying, Mm yeah, the church is going to do that. I want to make sure that I'm teaching my kids how to have a quiet time, how to write in Mm -hmm. your journal, how to analyze um quotations, how to read scripture. And so we're just trying to be intentional about those yeah. things.
2: And they're seeing it modeled in your life cuz they're with you. Cuz you're together.
1: They are. They see the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> they're up early in the morning to go to radio stations and <laughs>
2: Right, do right, these right. Sort of things. Right, Jasmine. <laughs> mm-hmm, she says, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, so if people want to get in touch with you because you're a you're a very likable guy. So I got to believe that oh, look people at that won't, people won't Until up. you don't like me. <laughs> I love you, brother. You're my brother. So if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to get in touch with you?
1: ErskineMusic.com or Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All right.
2: Thanks for being here today. This is a ton of fun.
1: Thanks. I loved it. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.